0: Hello and welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series especially for tourism operators and industry professionals. I'm Tom Wooden, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, or TICT, which is the peak industry body for the tourism industry in the beautiful state of Tasmania. If you are a regular listener to Talking Tourism, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener and enjoy today's episode, Remember, there are now over 100 Talking Tourism conversations available from wherever you access your podcasts, or you can simply stream them on the TICT website, which is tict.com.au. We are recording this podcast today on the lands of the Palawa and Pakina, and TICT offers its respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people, their elders, past and present, for their enduring care and management of these islands. Today's episode is brought to you by our partner, NRMA Expeditions. NRMA Expeditions is one of the largest and fastest-growing holders of tourism assets across Australia and has recently entered the Tasmanian tourism industry with the acquisition of some of Tasmania's most iconic destinations, including Freycinet Lodge, Cradle Mountain Hotel, Strawn Village and Gordon River Cruises. Thanks to NRMA Expeditions for their generous support of TICT and for helping to make this episode of Talking Tourism possible. Now, let's get into today's chat with my mate, Catherine Stark, who is the Managing Director and Co-Owner of Seven Sheds. How are you, Catherine? I'm very well, thanks. Tom, how are you? Not bad, thank you. Catherine is an experienced General Manager with demonstrated history of working in the food and beverage industry, tourist attractions, and local government. Since its launch in 2008, her business, Seven Sheds Brewery, has maintained its original backyard premises where visitors can meet the brewers, see hops growing, and taste the delicious brews. An advocate for the Cradle to Coast Tasting Trail, and chair in fact, also an advocate for women in the brewing industry, Catherine has been instrumental in developing the northwest tourism industry over the last 20 years. How does that sound, Catherine? Is that a reasonable summary? Good. Get to work with Catherine quite a bit, uh, particularly on the Cradle to Coast Tasting Trail and uh, have myself been to experience her beautiful operation at Seven Sheds. Catherine, as the Managing Director at Seven Sheds, um, and you've been involved in the Tasting Trail obviously for for (laughs) the 11 years that it's been alive, uh, how much of a role does tourism industry play in what you do and what you're passionate about?
1: Oh, uh, Tom, it's pretty much a part of my life on a daily basis, whether I'm at work um, or at home, because as you've already pointed out, our business operates out of our backyard, basically. Yep. And then, so if I want to get away from work, I'm usually doing something touristy around Tasmania somewhere. So um, sure. whether that's riding mountain bike trails on the White Wild Mersey Network or going up to see the Fagus at Cradle uh, or just taking a little quiet beach break somewhere.
0: I can absolutely vouch for that too. Times I've called you uh, when you're not uh, at home in the office and you're, sorry, I'm just up a mountain somewhere. Uh, can I call <laughs> you back later? <laughs> yeah. And when you're up a mountain, I'm not inclined to distract you because I just feel like you could uh, <laughs> be in a precarious spot. I don't want to cause an injury. Um, you've been very involved though, haven't you, in, in northwest tourism over, over a long period, certainly longer than I have. H- how have you seen it develop?
1: Uh, look, I think if I could step back even a little further than that, mm-hmm. uh, I actually moved to Tasmania when, and I'm I'm showing my age now, when there was a, a, a petrol roster on the weekends and after hours, <laughs> <laughs> and you couldn't get a decent cappuccino for love nor money, so I have watched it evolve magnificently uh, over the last... Decades. <laughs> 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 and um, and in our region, uh, so I first came into this region actually as the CEO at the Australian Axeman's Hall of Fame, just finishing off the development project there and getting it open. Yep. Uh, so I have worked with the Trobe in Meander Valley and Kendish Councils in tourism roles and have just watched the tourism um, – destination if you like evolve into a destination that covers such a range of different activities and experiences when i came into the region we already had the raspberry farm cafe and um ash grove Mm and was open soon after i arrived and we've just seen such growth in that space 41 south as well they were they were actually uh not they open at that stage around about the same time anyway um so it's it's all the food experiences and the beverage experiences that have evolved over the last 10 to 15 years, that's been quite lovely to see. Yeah. But there's also been a focus on our outdoor experiences mm-hmm. and um, people are moving through the region. They're walking, they're mountain biking. They're, they are enjoying the beach experiences as well in a, a number of different ways. So it's definitely a great place to, to live and to tour and yeah. visitors are starting to discover it, which is a wonderful thing.
0: It really is. I heartedly agree. So given everything you've just said about your uh, role in tourism and and your career in tourism, when you opened Seven Sheds Brewery, was it in your mind as a a tourism business or were you sort of more focused on the the trade of beer? I know you're in the business with um, your partner, Willie. Was it a vision you had together that it would be very much a tourism-focused business?
1: Absolutely. Right from the start, our intention was to have a cellar door. Yep. So, we looked at a few different examples of cellar door operating models and Willie's original intention was to have it in the same building as the brewery is, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's just a tin shed, <laughs> a <laughs> colour shed. I think it's in the distance. <laughs> um, and I was a bit reluctant to go down that path mm. and uh, so I... I was more inclined to have a separate cellar door, which is what we finished up with. And um, because of my background in tourism and also some educational um, activities that I've been doing at the stage in regional development policy, Mm -hmm. I was able to successfully put in an application for funding from the Regional Tourism Development Program. Mm -hmm. That gave us a little kickstart on the cellar door project. Right. Um, we were very modest. It was only $50,000. They really wanted to give us $100,000, right. <laughs> which in hindsight would have been really yeah. handy. But, <laughs> but uh, that could have started really. We we were already producing mead at that stage and were ready to go into a retail space yep. with the mead. But we hadn't started producing um, beer in commercial qu- quantities at that stage. So. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you are you're distributor distributing quite broadly as well. So you obviously have a, a strong trade side to the business as well as the tourism side. Um, yeah. has, has any of that relationship between those two sides of the business surprised you?
1: In the early days, we couldn't keep up with demand, yeah. um, which was a lovely thing, but it was also incredibly stressful like, mm. <laughs> trying to um, brew as much as we possibly could and get it pushed around the state. In more recent times, there's been a huge increase in competition, like there's been craft breweries opening everywhere. Mm. One of the things that is beneficial in that respect is that we're not doing as much, you know, as many trips to Hobart with vans full of kegs. So that's actually made our lives a little easier. But um, at the same time, we've got other breweries open in this region, which we've never had before. And that's actually been really good for us because Mm. we, we, now have an opportunity for people to actually do beer tours mm-hmm. um, and there's five different places that they can visit all within an easy sort of, you know, if, you, if you've got a designated driver, um, you can do all five in a day. You can pick and choose which ones you do lunch at and dinner at and things like that. Yep.
0: So, yeah, so and that's
1: been quite a nice um, new uh, experience that's evolved because mm-hmm. of that increasing competition in a way.
0: And therein so, lies the magic of the tasting trail, hey?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yep. And uh, do you see that, I mean,
0: with those uh, bre- other breweries coming online, is that sort of a bigger pie, bigger piece for everyone, or do you do sort of collaborative stuff as well? Like, do you actually work directly with them on...
1: Uh, look, we're not doing a lot of collaboration with other breweries, but yep. we're really happy to have them all on the trail, mm-hmm. and, and we're certainly referring amongst each other, so mm-hmm. that sort of activity is happening.
0: Yep, correct. Right. Yeah. And obviously, the tasting trail is also a reflection of just that uh, a growth in agritourism uh, in our region, but also across the rest of Tasmania. Um, what is for those listening? What is agritourism? Can you define it in a nice little elevator pitch?
1: <laughs> it's an opportunity for visitors, tourists, particularly those that come from big cities, to see where food comes from, how it's produced. Yep, um, and to really um, connect with the land. Yeah. So we we get people that come into our premises who actually don't know what the ingredients in beer are. Right. So we get the opportunity to show them the hops um, and we've got um, samples of the malt as well. We obviously don't grow that on site. We're not that big. Mm -hmm. But uh, for some people, they have no idea where the alcohol in beer comes from or where the flavour in beer comes from. So it's that opportunity to actually know what you're consuming Mm. and um, what's real in food and what's not.
0: Presumably – when people have spent the last couple of years at home probably consuming a lot of food just from supermarkets in their apartments, particularly if we think of the Melbourne and Sydney context here, uh, during isolation periods, the idea of getting back to uh, a region where you can learn about where the food comes from and then sit and eat it or drink it must be fairly appealing, don't you think?
1: Oh, absolutely, yep. And I think that goes across, you know, a whole range of different perspectives. So we've just had the Trail Graze event here in the region, as you're well aware. <laughs> and um, and uh, like if you have a look on the Trail Graze website and read what the chefs have to say about the food in this region, anyone that's touring this region doing food and beverage experiences is is having a really top-end experience in terms of the flavours mm. and the quality of the food. Mm. And Bev.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And Catherine, I know you and I have discussed this, but Um, how can other tourism operators leverage the market's interest around agri-tourism? So in the context, let's say, of the tasting trail, not everyone can be a member of the tasting trail because we focus on it being sort of producer members. Um, It's a a producer trail at the end of the day, so we don't have sort of hordes of of accommodation providers as members of the tasting trail. How can other uh, tourism businesses, be they accommodation or any other kind of tour experience, leverage from uh, this, this... apparent uh, surge in agritourism interest in the market?
1: Yeah, so I think the first step in that process is that other tourism operators or accommodation operators should get around and visit the agritourism opportunities, uh, businesses in the markets, introduce themselves and understand what the the business is doing and uh, how visitors interact with the business. That then gives them an opportunity to think about how their business can... Interact, and that might be by packaging something up. It mm-hmm. might be by bringing the produce back to their business. It might just be through simple referral activity within their accommodation. You know,
0: mm-hmm. having
1: the tasting trial map in their visitor guidebook and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's, there's lots of opportunities. It just, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone has a very different business plan and and objectives in their business. Of course. But there are certainly opportunities, and as we can see, because we all co- collaborate and work together. There are opportunities to create collaboration with the the agritourism businesses too
0: of course, and and there are more of those it seems uh, emerging all the time and with with more people drawn to the region for these sorts of experiences, presumably uh, all of those sort of other ancillary experiences benefit along the way. If you go on a holiday, you don't just do all of the one style of activity you would you know you might do the tasting trailer one day and spend the all of the following day at wings wildlife, that sort of thing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think we've come a long way in that I remember when I was in the early days at the Axman's Hall of Fame, uh, some visitors came in and and said, you know, we're sick of tree ferns and waterfalls. What else is there to do? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I think in a way there's Mm. so many other things to do now that the tree ferns and waterfalls are just a little side side event to to everything else that's going on in the region, and I think that's a lovely thing.
0: It is, yeah. It's also important, don't you think, that there's a – not not everyone can – there are a lot of things in the, the northwest and around the state. Uh, there's lots of lovely beaches. There's lots of trees, firs, and, and waterfalls. Um, finding something that's a little unique that you can stand behind um, as a region or even as a state. And agritourism, it just seems, is something that Tasmania can genuinely own.
1: Uh, absolutely. And may I say that this end of Tasmania, the northwest, to me, it's the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, we've just got everything. <laughs> Sorry, but we have. <laughs> I'm trying really hard not to
0: make this too Northwest-centric here, but I feel like we're yeah. failing.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's other, uh, there are other great agritourism businesses in other parts of the state. Mm. And, um, yeah, we're all part of the same attraction in terms of Tasmania, attracting visitors from interstate and overseas for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. What What's the um, traffic been like through, through your business um, over – recent times, are you seeing an uptick again
1: now? Right now, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So um, I think things for us didn't bounce back as quickly as we expected when the borders reopened. January was fairly flat. It certainly wasn't anything like the previous January, which yeah. was a record breaker. But February, March and April have all been record breakers and we haven't even finished April yet. Wow. So um, that, that's going to be amazing, that result. And where are they
0: coming um, from, Catherine? Are they the Tasmanians? Are they interstate, As you're seeing?
1: So we think the last few weeks we've finally seen pretty close to normal interstate visitor traffic. Wow. But we also are in a beautiful spot here in the middle of the Wild Mersey mountain bike trails, and we've been seeing that increase. In fact, right now I'm looking out into our car park. It's just full of... Um, utes and four-wheel drives with bikes hanging <laughs> off the back. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so, so that's certainly been um, fantastic for us. That's definitely working for our, our town and our area, bringing yeah. the mountain bike traffic in.
0: Of course. And to heart back something you said a moment ago um, about people loving to come and, and learn about the uh, the way the food is made and drink is made. Yep. Uh, obviously for a long time, Tourism Tasmania termed our market the lifelong learners and even though that's not the terminology they still use, it's still very true of the market to Tasmania. People that are coming yep. here want to sort of immerse themselves in the culture and understand um, what it is we're doing here. And it's probably fair to say that goes to the heart of agritourism quite a bit as well. It's it's almost an educational experience.
1: It, it absolutely is, um, and it doesn't have to be in your face educational. You know, we're not standing and giving you a lecture. <laughs> <We> Get out <laughs> don't the whiteboard. You to pass the test at the end of it. But just seeing green grass and cattle grazing on green grass up close, mm. um, seeing the hops and being able to feel them, break them open, and smell them—that's um, all part of learning about food. Yeah, great. And I think that's that's beneficial uh, side effect of, of visiting a farm or an agritourism operator, that you're actually learning something without actually formally learning anything. Mm. Yeah.
0: So you think we'll see uh, this boom continue for agritourism, not just from a demand point of view. We know the demand's certainly there within the market, but you think we've got more supply coming online that you know of and have heard of?
1: Uh, if we use the Cradle to Coast Tasting Trail as an example, we've got um, more operators post-COVID than we had before mm-hmm. more producers post-COVID than we had p- before. Uh, COVID. uh, That's growing. I think it will continue to grow. Yep. Um, So certainly in this region, definitely we're seeing uh, a lot more. um, What what I'm seeing at the moment is more young people coming in and looking at opportunities. So that's going to change the market and that space again. Yeah. It might might be more sort of niche farming activities.
0: Yep. And I think just to try... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh to make this not so northwest centric you get two two passionate Northwesters together this is what happens but what i think we see as a at a state level is that um as, as we've said that the, the, the northwest has its unique characteristics those unique characteristics um there are for the east coast you know that are that are, they're quite unique in their own way as is the south as is the west yeah. um and right through the middle as well um, And the idea of being able to uh, take visitors to where different crops are grown in a different style, different way, and with different sort of climates as well within Tasmania.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Provides a really sort of a holistic uh, tour of Tasmania in an agritourism context alone.
1: Absolutely. I think the microclimates are real. Um, they are the, the great surprise. Mm-hmm. It, you come here expecting it to be very cool sort of sub-temperate climate, but yep. in actual fact there's a little pocket just outside Devonport growing avocados. And, yeah. Um, so those sorts of little surprises all around, um, throughout Tasmania's agricultural areas. So, yeah. yeah,
0: and the you know Tamar Valley wine route. Obviously, they've they've got their own sort of um, uh, microcosm there, and then the the East Coast wine. So even within a wine context, you've got uh, different different regions with different tastes and uh, different kinds of wine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yep.
0: Lovely. All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Catherine. Uh, of course, now is the time where we really test your metal and uh, get you to the Talking Tourism Big Seven.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah. I still wish we had a jingle to go with that. Caleb, perhaps we can work <laughs> on that one for the next time. Mm. Um, a little glockenspiel. Uh, Catherine Stark, what is your favourite spot in Tasmania and Why?
1: That's a really hard one, but it's it's <laughs> going to be a place where I can um, combine long walking, long walks with good food and beverage. So there's a couple of places that we go to regularly, um, Marawo on the west coast and Karina, which is also fairly well west and yep. south, um, and Cradle Mountain. So they're places where we walk. Um, and at the end of our walking day, we're, we're um, enjoying lovely food and beer, whether we're produced or brought that along ourselves or we're having it somewhere out and about. Great. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Okay. Question two, favourite travel destination anywhere in the world?
1: And that's almost the same as the previous. <laughs> yeah. so, so just during the COVID period, we've been to places like um, Shipstone Buff, Bluff mm-hmm. down on um, the Tasman Peninsula. So did that. Um, walk there, spent a couple of nights at McHenry's Distillery. Mm -hmm. Um, Our next actual adventure will be on the East Coast, but we've also been up to Flinders Island, we've been to King Island, and we've been um, doing those little explores. There's always walks and good food (laughs) and good beverages involved. And Tasmania has it in bucket loads.
0: You know, that response, again, just to step back, it goes to the core again of this agritourism movement. Uh, So much of people's travel is based around food, Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great way to frame up a trip around Tasmania. Okay. Somebody, um, is coming to Tasmania for the very first time in their lives. What an exciting place to be, uh, and asks you what's the one thing they should, they absolutely must experience while they're here. What's your advice?
1: Uh, right now it's the turning of the Fagus, And the best place, I think, to see that is at Cradle Mountain because it's accessible for just about anyone. There are places where you can see the Fagus from a wheelchair or you can go for a longer hike and climb mountains and see more of it. Yep. Yeah, it's there and it's happening right now.
0: Fantastic. That is a a very special experience. Absolutely. Uh, You're walking the Overland Track for five days with three other people, anyone in the world, famous, not so famous, living or dead who and why. And I ask that of someone who I'm sure has done the Overland Track multiple times. Is that fair to say, Catherine? <laughs> oh,
1: I've only done the full length once, Have but you, I've okay. done bits and pieces of it several times <laughs> right. coming in and out in different yep. directions. So. Um, look, I think uh, uh, my partner, Willie, because I know he can do it. Yep. And um, a couple of my friends that I walk with regularly who I know are equipped for it, comfortable in Tasmania's wilderness environments. It's not an easy environment to be in if the weather turns foul, particularly. Yep. And um, I want to be comfortable that the people that I'm with can can handle that.
0: Good. That's that's, that's a very
1: uh, pragmatic uh, response. <laughs> <laughs> and I I just have no idea what. Famous people in the world might be able to deal with that, but I don't want to be nurturing Uh, them. They're
0: all annoying. (laughs) Or nursing them or something. (laughs) Stick with the known known. Yeah. Okay, you're road tripping around Tasmania as you so frequently do. What are you listening to in the
1: car? Oh, that's pretty funny. Because (laughs) (laughs) and I have very different tastes in music, so it often means we don't listen to anything. (laughs) Right. So you're listening to (laughs) (laughs) Willie.
0: complain about how he can't put his own music on.
1: Oh no, there's no complaints that we both respect each other's different tastes. I'm <laughs> oh, a bit more sort of upbeat and I like um kind of bouncing music than he does. Yep. So okay. <laughs> it doesn't work for him. He likes more relaxed music.
0: Right.
1: Um but you know, I've been enjoying the the Trail Grays playlist, which yes. has a lot of old favourites. <laughs> How good's uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, so I think if if you were gonna put together a playlist, why, why put that work together when you've got such a wonderful playlist there already? There you
0: go. A little plug for Trail Greys again. Uh, go and mm. search for Trail Graze, uh playlist on Spotify. It is a great listen. Uh, when you arrive at your destination, what's your tipple of choice? And I'm going to just uh, put a little rule in here. It can't be seven sheds. Oh,
1: God damn. <laughs> <laughs> in that case, it'll be uh, – if it's something special, like a special weekend away, it would be um, a glass of Tassie Bubbles. Okay.
0: And now just to flip that on its head, if it was to be Seven Sheds, which would it be? Do you have a favourite child?
1: Oh, not really. That depends a little bit on the season and the mood, but there'll always be a Stark Raven, Oatmeal Stout in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Probably good. wouldn't be the first beer I'd go to. I might be <laughs> more likely to have something a bit lighter than that, Paradise Pale or a Kenti Gale. <laughs> good
0: Good one. Great names. Okay, and the last one, and I know you'll be very nervous about this, but everyone has to do it. Curried Tasmanian scallops, a culinary delight or a culinary crime?
1: So we do our scallops Asian style with garlic, chilli, ginger when we're cooking at home. Um, I would never make a scallop curry. I have had the occasional um, scallop pie that's got the curry mix in it. Obligatory. I don't mind it as long as it's mild. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't like the courage to overpower
0: the scholars. So, delight might be sort of strong language, but certainly in the favourable camp.
1: Favourable, yes. <laughs> We're
0: just making not our own rules. here. not something I'd make myself, but
1: yes, it's okay. It's okay if it's done the right way.
0: Terrific. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Catherine, uh, to talk all things agritourism. And thank you also for what you've done for the state, I'll say, but certainly for the region um, in terms of being a founding member of the Tasting Trail. It certainly is a special offering to our visitors. So uh, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Tom. And thank you all for listening uh, to today's episode of Talking Tourism. Remember to subscribe to hear more episodes as we release them every two weeks or so. Also, remember to tell a friend or tourism colleague to check out our podcasts. Talking Tourism is an initiative of Tourism Industry Council Tasmania, and today's episode was brought to you with the support of our partner, NRMA Expeditions. A big thanks also to Caleb Miller at MAC40, our audio specialist, who produces these episodes. I'm your host, Tom Wooten, and we will catch up next time.